Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for listening, and hopefully you've enjoyed the show over the course of the last year. Actually, I've only been doing this particular podcast since May of 2015, but you can find some of my older audio reviews from earlier in the year, A Geek Talks Movies. That's the name of the podcast, A Geek Talks Movies, and that was when I did a show with my co-host, Sean Harriet. And uh, it's a very entertaining show, and uh, hopefully you seek that out as well, because I enjoy doing that with Sean. Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of this show, and I'm going to be doing, as most film critics do at the end of the year, my top 10 films of 2015. And this is not a very scientific survey. This is These are just the films that I in, was either impressed by or entertained by or enjoyed the most. And that's basically my criteria. I could flip some of these up and down. Uh, some of these may be off the list, you know, by next year, because there are some films that I haven't seen. Um, I'll tell you the films that I haven't seen that I think that could make the list. There is a film that's getting a lot of critical acclaim called 45 Years. That's a Charlotte Rampling film. Uh, there's also a film called Tangerine, which is currently available. I could watch it any time, and I probably will within the next week or so, hopefully. Uh, and also Son of Saul is getting a lot of critical acclaim. So those films are not on my list, even though there are, uh, they are on many other film critics top 10 lists. So I'll look forward to seeing those. I could amend this sometime down the road, but for now, I have seen most of the films that I think that should qualify for a top 10 list. And so I will, without further ado, get into that. Number 10, Alejandro Gonzalez Inuritu's The Revenant. It probably would seem like a disappointment for those people who thoroughly enjoyed Birdman. Birdman was my favorite film of last year. So, you know, by having going from number one to number 10 on my list, I suppose that's a little bit of a, dis- a, a drop down, but it still was captivating and, and, uh, a, quite an adventure in a, you know, literally an adventure film. It definitely really did keep my interest throughout. It had great acting in it and, you know, from a technical level, it was quite a remarkable film. It's the kind of movie that I, I don't know how they made it. There's some of these long takes and some of these uh, very well choreographed, lengthy, either fight scenes or battle scenes or scenes in which uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character fights with a bear. Those are just amazing scenes, and uh, it really captivated me for long spells. Probably didn't need to be as long as it did, but for whatever reason, the, the strong parts are so strong, I have to put it on my list. Number 10 is The Revenant. Number 9, one of my favorite films of the year in terms of how entertained I was by it, it is Creed. It is the film by Ryan Coogler, who is doing this as kind of a passion project. He had wanted this to be his first film, but he didn't really have Sylvester Stallone support. And then after making Fruitvale Station, which was my favorite film from a couple of years ago, Sylvester Stallone said, okay, uh, this person has the cred <laughs> to make Creed. And so therefore, this is the seventh in the Rocky series or the first of a spinoff, however you want to deem it. But basically the story of the son of Apollo Creed, who wants to make a name for himself in the boxing ring. Sylvester Stallone does appear in a supporting role and probably one of his best performances in a very long time in a film, probably since the original Rocky. And it's my second favorite of the Rocky series. I highly recommend Creed. It's a feel-good film that is really well done and probably one of the best seventh films in a series. But I will get to one that I like even a little bit better. But before I get to that, I will go to my number eight film, and that is a film that 
a lot of critics did not put on their list, probably because they expect more out of this director. As you can see, there are certain directors that I tend to gravitate toward, and one of them is Steven Spielberg, one of my favorite directors. He did a film this year called Bridge of Spies, which I think fell off a lot of people's radars as far as best of. I think most people consider it, you know, a little bit lesser of a Spielberg film, but I found it very captivating in its way, and I admired it for its many subtleties, although Spielberg can paint with broad strokes sometimes, and certainly some of that does... In- come into play here, but I really admired some of the more subtle touches that he put in there and it, it, letting the storytelling kind of spring forth. Uh, really good performance by Tom Hanks, probably even better performance by Mike, Mark Rylance in a supporting role. Uh, the story of uh, James B. Donovan, who is called upon by the U.S. to defend uh, Rudolph Abel, a, a man who was living in Brooklyn that was accused of espionage for the Soviet Union. And uh, it's a really well-done film. And if this were a debut film from somebody or a, a film by a nobody, this would certainly put them on the map. But because it's Steven Spielberg, anything less than one of the top three films of the year is probably considered a lesser film. So Bridge of Spies remains at number eight. Number seven is Denis Villeneuve's Sicario. Sicario was just a dynamite film. It, it's a thriller and partially a drama, but it plays out almost it like a horror film. And it really does showcase the horrors of the drug war, especially in the border towns. Ciudad Juarez is the, uh, the, the town in Mexico, this kind of lion's den where the drug cartels have complete dominion. And uh, as they go into uh, the depths of that city, it just becomes scary. It's a scary film and kind of a sobering film in terms of uh, where we are in the drug war and kind of the futility of it and how how dark and, and sinister these drug cartels can turn normal life for uh, many innocent people who are not involved w- with it. It does not bode well for the future of that drug war uh, when you see th- these kinds of things go on, but it's a fantastic thriller and uh, Emily Blunt is terrific in it and also uh, one of the best performances I've seen from Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro is a a number seven film for me for this year. Number six, I kind of alluded to it just a moment ago. It is a seventh film in a series and one that takes off from, uh, as Creed did, from the original creator uh, to become kind of a new spinoff series. It is Star Wars, The Force Awakens, the seventh film in the Star Wars saga, episode seven for some people. And it is J.J. Abrams kind of taking over, at least for one film, to try to update the series getting away from the creative control of George Lucas and now working with Disney to create a whole new set of not only the main series of this new Star Wars trilogy, but also some spinoffs and kind of to create the world, giving the old with the new. And it very much is in keeping with some of the original trilogy works. So J.J. Abrams, basically, it's a fan service film, but I think that for fans, it definitely hit the spot for many people who are not going to be overly critical about the movie. Certainly, those people who like to nitpick will find plenty to nitpick for here, but I had a blast watching it, and it's the kind of movie that I pretty much will recommend to anybody who loves Star Wars or is looking for a reason why it's special. It's just a uh, it's it's a well done film for pure entertainment purposes, and I'm looking forward to seeing future chapters, perhaps even ones that might even improve upon this one because it's not a perfect film, but it's it hits the spot. That's why it's number six on my list. And number five, now we're getting into the real meat of the films this year. 
a film called Brooklyn. Saoirse Ronan stars in it. It's a beautiful romance drama, and it's set in the early 1950s, and we find a young woman who has kind of a humdrum life living in her town in Ireland, and then she ends up getting uh, a chance to work in America, and there she finds love, and she is very homesick, but uh, when she does find love, then she finds a newfound love for the new city that she's in of Brooklyn, but then she ends up having to go back, and then she realizes how much she missed her old home, so she goes from a time of unhappiness to a time of happiness, but then to a time of unhappiness because she, then she has to choose between two different happy worlds that she could, she could reside in. So it's kind of the bittersweet experience of having to make difficult life choices. And I highly recommend Brooklyn for anybody who not just likes romance films, but also ones that are, are really good dramas and very interesting, good character studies. It says a lot, even though it doesn't seem like a lot from outside appearances. At number four, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It's a film that had a lot of buzz when it was going through the film festival circuits. A lot of people were touting it as one of the best films of the year. Probably certainly would be. It fell off a lot of people's radars. At Sundance, certainly it had a huge buzz coming out of January and then uh, won the Grand Jury Prize there, won the Audience Award. But then by the end of the year, a lot of people forget. And this is why a lot of those prestige films, those ones that are going for Oscars, tend to be released toward the end of the year so they could stay fresh in the minds of those Oscar voters, try to get some nominations and also to get some extra bump in the box office by w- once they do get those nominations. So, But me and they're on The Dying Girl, I've found it to be one of the best films of the year, even though it was largely forgotten. It's unfortunately doesn't have the legs of Whiplash had the previous year from Sundance, but it is basically about a, a 12th grader named Greg who spends most of his days trying to fly under the radar of his peers at school, and then he ends up uh, being forced by his mother, more or less cajoled, uh, into befriending a classmate of his who is uh, suffering from f- stage four leukemia. She doesn't have a good prognosis in life. And so he spends a lot of time with her and they form a bond of friendship and hope that she could recover out of it. So it is a film that is very film literate because the young man is also does his own little uh, film spoofs on the side with his best friend, Earl. I thoroughly enjoyed Me and Earl and The Dying Girl, and I was actually quite moved by it. And it ends up at number four. Number three Probably one of the more solid films. This is one that you'll find on most people's top, most critics' top ten lists. It is called Spotlight. It's basically a procedural about the uh, four-person team from the Boston Globe who ended up spending sometimes up to a year investigating some really big stories. And in this one, their new editor-in-chief decides to have them do an investigation on the Catholic Church and uh, or a specific priest in the Catholic Church who is accused of um, molesting children, and in that investigation, they discover that there's more to that story than meets the eye. Because Boston is a largely Catholic community, how difficult it is to do an expose on them when they control so much of the town. It's really well acted. Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, Rachel McAdams, Leah Schreiber, Stanley Tucci, all really incredible actors in this film. It's really well done across the board. This is not a very show, very showy Oscar film. There's not these big Oscar moments within it. It just is a very hard-nosed, very well-made, competent film by director and co-screenwriter Tom McCarthy, and that's why I enjoy it so much. It is, it's completely, from beginning to end, it's like all the President's Men. 
possibly one of the forerunners, the front runners for the Best Picture Oscar this year, even though it's only at number three on my list. At number two is probably the film that I had the most emotional reaction to. It is Room. Uh, Lenny Abramson was a director. Emma Donahue did the screenplay based on her own novel, uh, the bestseller. Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, two terrific performances, probably the best two performances as a duo from any film in 2015, and probably the best child performance I've seen in many years, maybe even my lifetime, by Jacob Tremblay. It is a fantastic film. Young woman who has been kidnapped and then held captive for repeated instances of sexual abuse in a soundproofed and electronically secured shed in the backyard of some deranged sexual predator. She ends up having a child, bearing his child, and that child is now five years old. And what they do about it and their attempt to hopefully escape from this prison of misery. It's a bitter pill to have to swallow, but I think that it is well worth taking a chance on. I think that it's phenomenal, and I think that it is well made, and it is my number two film of the year. So now we get to my number one film of 2015, and this one, you won't find number one on most people's list. In fact, it fell out of the top ten for a lot of critics because I think that it just, you know, it is a Pixar film. It is Inside Out, not The Good Dinosaur. Uh, it, but for whatever reason, it's the film that I thought about the most throughout the year. And I was thoroughly entertained by it. I've seen it a couple of times now. I, I just think it's it's almost a, a perfect film from Pixar, one of their best. I think that this is a movie that I will revisit time and again. And I will let my kids watch it. And I will uh, cherish probably the rest of my days. It is just a great animated comedy full of humor and sadness, and really well done, well animated, well voiced. You get the emotional inner workings of a young girl named Riley, and you have, uh, in her mind, you see the personification of her feelings, joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger, and how they coordinate to navigate this young girl through life in as safe and secure a way as possible. It is just Speaking of joy, it is a joy to watch. In fact, my top two films feature uh, women named Joy in it. Despite the fact that there is a film called Joy this year, it did not make my top ten, although I, I like that film too. Uh, number one, my favorite film of 2015, Inside Out. I There's not a single person I would not recommend that film to, whether young or old or whatever walk of life, and that's why it is my favorite film. So as with a lot of other critics' lists, I... We'll go through some of my honorable mentions because there are some films that I wanted to put on the list, but I just couldn't find the room for them. No particular order, actually in alphabetical order. Anomalisa, The Big Short, uh, I liked The End of the Tour, Ex Machina, Joy, speaking of The Martian, uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Peanuts Movie, Steve Jobs, Straight Outta Compton. So th those films I enjoyed quite a bit, but just not quite enough to put on my top 10. And there are some films that you might be wondering, why are, why are they not on there? The Hateful Eight, uh, I, I liked, but not enough to get on in my top 10. Mad Max Fury Road, uh, enjoyable in a certain fashion, but I didn't love it as much as many other people seem to. And also Carol is another one that I like the movie, but just didn't speak to me on the same level as some of these others. So uh, if you're wondering why they're not on there, that's why. If you have any thoughts about my top 10, I encourage you to write to me. You can find all of my contact information at my website, quipster.net. 
qwipster.net. You can find links to my Facebook page as well as my Twitter feed, and you can contact me in any one of those fashions. If you happen to enjoy the show, I encourage you to leave a review on iTunes, and it's the best way to get word of mouth for other people who are looking for podcasts to listen to. Hopefully 2016 will be an even better year than 2015. I'm looking forward to continuing the reviews for you, and I hope that you'll enjoy the reviews that I'm about to deliver for the next year. Happy New Year, everyone. May you have the best year ever. 